Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from St. Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we like to imagine that the devil has a lot more power than he actually does, especially when it comes to temptation. He is a fallen angel, the great dragon, the lion who prowls about seeking those who he may devour. That's, that's fine. Very fierce. Roar. Thing is, you, Christian, wear the armor of God. He might be a lion, but he has no teeth to you. He is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. The devil didn't make you do anything. Because Satan isn't God. Really, he's nothing more than a student of character with too much time on his hands. He just watches. He's been doing it, like, since the beginning. Adam, Eve. He can't read thoughts, but he's never really had to. He just pays attention. He knows us, and so he knows just what questions to ask. He knows just where to poke, and honestly, you know where to it's that place that you hide inside of your hearts, but not as well as you actually think you hide it. It's that place inside of your heart where you pile up all of the guilt. It's that place inside of your heart where all of the frustration and all of the fear sits. That is where the knife goes. And then, when it comes to temptation, it's really just about leverage. Leverage isn't about power. You can lift a lot with just a little if you know how to pull. So the devil's been doing this pretty much since the beginning. He's so used to it working, you can actually watch him overplay his hand today. Jesus goes out to stand in the wildlands, and the devil goes out to confront him with the only tricks that he really knows. First, he comes in weakness. Jesus hungers. Forty days, no food. If you really are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Temptation. Poke it where you're weak, where you lack, and dare you to try and measure God's love for you by your satisfaction. You know, if you really are so important, God shouldn't leave you hanging. Which is sort of like, as a little kid, when you said, if my mom and dad really loved me, they would have got me that pony. It's not true here either, but the enemy would lean on this weakness that we have as proof that there is somehow no God or worse, that there's just not a God who's going to help you. But the Lord answers, man cannot live by bread alone. See, God's love means more than just earthly stuff, earthly pleasure. So the devil comes again in strength, Jesus' faith. If you really know your Bible, then you know that you can throw yourself down off this mountain because the psalm says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways and they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And you, Jesus, you trust more than anybody. See, the devil would tempt us to trust in our strongest parts, in our strengths. The devil gives us self-esteem, confidence. And then he just twists it in on itself until it gets too big to fail and the problem is that sooner or later, humanity always falls. 
You can watch the devil work. He takes strong faith and tries to corrupt it, to twist it in on itself. He would twist trust in God into trust in faith. But faith in faith has saved nobody. So Jesus answers, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's not just like, don't poke the bear. It's recognized that it is God who saves. It's not your ability to impress him that's going to do it. Don't bet on that. Don't test God that way. So finally, Satan comes in fear, which has really been what it's all about the whole time. There's a lot you don't know. Too much of what you do know is bad news. But if you just bow, you can control it all. I will give you every kingdom. You can have anything you want. Fear. Fear is what the weakness and the strength all get rolled up into. We want control. So Satan tempts us into looking at our will instead of God's. Because it was fear that didn't want to starve or hurt in weakness. And it was fear that thought that we should be the ones in control in our strength. As if we were smarter than God. And it's foolish if you think about it, but mostly that dark unknown is just a lot scarier than even the weaknesses that we do know. So even if we don't know exactly what we would do with the control, we still want it. We're afraid. We're afraid because we can't trust anyone who would actually hold that control over us. And so when it comes to God, it is fear that prays, my will be done, not yours. And it's really no different here than in the beginning, in the garden, when the serpent would tempt Eve. It's really no different here than later on when Satan would mock Jesus through the mouths of the Pharisees, even while he dies upon the cross for them. If you really are the Son of God, just come down from that cross. The thing is, I know who talks like that. It's the same guy who met Jesus in the wildlands and leads every temptation out the same way. Satan overplays his hand, and here he teaches us his very favorite word. The devil's favorite word is if. I figured it would have been a lot more profane, something useful I could copy when I'm in traffic. But if is the devil's favorite word. It's the one he keeps falling back on. If you are the Son of God, make stones bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here and trust. If you are the Son of God, over and over again, and at last, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world, if you bow to me. This word is at the core of every last temptation, and we still echo it. When it comes to temptation, we love to say the devil's favorite word. I would totally be doing better if only I wasn't so overwhelmed. If only I wasn't around all these bad influences. If only they didn't give me a reason. If only it didn't feel so good. We deal with temptation just like Jesus. If only we knew the right Bible verses, the way he always seems to. So really, then we just have to learn more Bible verses, and then we'd totally be able to resist. If is the devil's favorite word, because while it's not as profane as you might expect, there is no certainty to it at all. The devil only wants doubt. You do it with kids, too. You can watch TV if you clean your room. That's a punishment, not a gift. And grown-ups, it doesn't change. You can get a raise if you meet your goals. You can fix your marriage if you stop being a sinner. If. It's a filthy word of law. Because that word if is holy on you. 
So let's test it. You broke the Ten Commandments this week, you sinners. You didn't know them? You knew the right verse. Thou shalt not. It's just that you lean harder on the if than anything that will come after it. Over and over again, we deal with temptation wrong. You are not going to beat temptation with the devil's own words. You only end up playing further into it because you knew. You knew when you did it. You knew that it was wrong. Temptation is not ignorant. That is what makes it so vile. Temptation is knowing that it is wrong and doing it anyway. Temptation has to excuse what it already knows. And so it tries to measure not just right and wrong, but God himself by something different. Every single time, every single way, it all comes down to this. You can dress it up for the dance any way you want, but it's the same old lie from the same old enemy. And I am just bored of it. But over and over again, I'll say it too. If God were really loving, I wouldn't hurt if it feels good, a loving God wouldn't call it wrong. If it makes me happy, it can't matter that much. Would you really say, my God wouldn't say this or do that? You've made up your mind before you ever asked him or checked the book. And sometimes worse, you made up your mind even after checking it. And in all of it, we don't just pave a road toward hurt because sin breaks stuff. It's more, it's worse. It's that we pave a road away from the cross where Jesus died for us. See, that cross up there is not just a reminder to feel guilty. It isn't just proof that that thing that you excused and tried to justify was so bad that God had to die, so when you look up there, you should feel uncomfortable. It's more. When we look at this cross, we should see something more than a guilt trip. We should see a God who actually wanted to save you from the things that you hide away in your hearts. It's a God who loves you so much that he was willing to bear all of the things that we run from in temptation and run towards too. And he did it just for you. This cross is for you. This Jesus is for you. For every time that you grab hold of Satan's favorite word to excuse your sin, to slander your Lord, to build yourself up because you were scared, God loved you. God loved you. And it actually looks like something. God's love looks like that. It looks like that cross where he bled and died for you to take away all of your sins. All of them. Every last time you have ever fallen into temptation, God met that with a cross so that you might have something to hope in. Jesus died for you and for me who struggles with temptation so that in the midst of all of it, we might still have hope. Because answering temptation is not a measurement of how many Bible verses you know. It's a measurement of how many are true. Jesus, falling back on the word of God is not a challenge for you to memorize more Bible verses than the devil. You are going to lose that. He's just had longer. It's just to recognize that there are wills outside of your own. Satan's will for you? Bad. God's will for you? Good. The mess that you're in? Mostly your fault. Not all by chance. But this mess you're in? There's hope inside of it. There is hope inside of it. See how Jesus confronts the devil. He falls back upon the Father's will. Remember why Jesus is in the wilderness starving in the first place. It was God's will. Remember why Jesus stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil and will not budge an inch. Remember why he was offered every single pleasure of all of the world and chose to bear the cross. It was for you. It was for me. It was to save us. Now, stop feeling bad about it. 
because it's a gift. It's the devil that would have us look at that cross and find guilt when this is the one place where God has worked to remove it. It is God's will to die and save sinners. You think he couldn't have come down from that cross? He chose to be there for me and for you, not as a guilt trip, but as a place to hope. God chose to die for you, to name you holy, a saint, a righteous one. He loves you so much that he would do this thing for you and nothing you have ever done and nothing you have ever failed to do can change that fact so that when the devil confronts us and twists the scriptures in upon themselves so that we would measure what we see in ourselves against the will of God, we might find more than just the law. We might find the gospel. Jesus died and rose to save you and he hands that grace out to you in word and in sacrament over and over again. He has mercy upon us. It is God's will that put him out in the desert, not happiness. It is not power. It is not miracles that put him there, but salvation for sinners, salvation for you and salvation for me. It was to undo the curse of Adam and make straight the twisted paths that we would pave away from the cross. It is to conquer the enemy who would work against God's will and grant to us a victory in three small words. It is finished. Your sins are forgiven you. You are holy. It's finished. If you're not a sinner, there's no salvation here for you. If you're not willing to call temptation what it is, I've got no answers because Jesus only died for sinners. But if you happen to be one, I've got good news. It's for us. We call the sin a sin because we know that the cross is for us. We see Jesus dying there and we know that we found the right thing. If you've cracked that book open and you haven't found Jesus, you're looking in the wrong place. But look here. Look to the cross where God actually did something. Not only are your sins forgiven, you are victorious. The devil lost. He has no teeth. His temptations are something different to you now. Not only are you holy enough to cast aside all of the old excuses that you had when he would tempt you, you are holy enough to not need them anymore. Why excuse what God forgives? Just call it wrong and then call it forgiven. Now, when he would attack you, this awful, toothless lion. Resist. You want to out-muscle the devil? You don't have the strength. You don't have the leverage. But you do have the Lord. You do have his word. You do have a place to hear it, to grow in it, to receive the forgiveness that it proclaims and enacts. Resist here. Pray the litany. Hear God's word. Receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins because this is where the leverage is. It is outside of yourself. It is outside of your will and it is wholly in God's. But you can know what God's will for you is even when we are tempted, even when we fall. God is stronger. God is holier. God is loving. And he's going to get his will done no matter what. And his will is your salvation. So be at peace because our Lord bled and died so that you would live. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now may the peace which surpasses all understanding keep your heart and your mind unto life everlasting. Amen.